0: The following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute.
1: There is one opinion that says Jacob uh, and Esau were originally um, starting to be formed in one embryonic sac and the, the vice wrote it to rotzitzu abanim, the s- struggle that took place within the womb um, was referring to their, their um, struggle to separate did not want to grow up together as Simon's Twins, probably a smart idea. So that was one opinion. Um, a, a later um, commentary, obviously, is that's not the accepted understanding of the verse, but that is, there is an, an interesting opinion. So that was our segue. So then we discussed many issues um, on this, on side one of this paper, which was the tefillin, Aben, minion. whether you count them as two, marriage, inheritance, criminality, um, we didn't get to separation and abortion, which is really the the key issue when you're dealing with twins. The other ones are nice, fluffy issues. How many pairs of film do you have to buy for sperm But this, the more obviously, the the real ethical dilemmas we're going to see, and I think something that we use many many of the things that we've learned in the past 20 years in this class um, for those who stuck it out for that long. Including me, especially you. So many of the principles, um, which is that's what's fascinating. and That's why this case is is fascinating. The separation issue, which is really the key issue, which is related to the other issue in the same sense. Of the first question is always going to be whenever you're dealing with case of conjoined twins, is are they one person or the two, p- or are they considered two people? Okay, because. If they're one person, then there's no real halachic issues. All these issues are really not applicable. But also, the, even the issue of separations is not applicable because, I mean, there's no question of can you save one life for the other because it's one person. So of course, halachically, you're allowed to amputate an appendage um, to save the person's life. So in order to viewing them as one person, then there wouldn't be really any ethical dilemmas if, if halacha would view them or medicine would view them. Uh, Two different things but but the point is if they're considered one person, then there wouldn't really be any any of these ethical dilemmas because uh, you can amputate an appendage, so the, this one of the twins would be viewed as an appendage to the other. It's a question which one, but that's a different issue. Um, but there, but that's really then it just becomes a medical question what's the best way to go about saving this life? But once you ascertain that they are two separate lives, um, as the Gemara seem to imply. Um, by the way, interestingly enough, uh, Rabbi Bleich, an article I read this morning, seems to, according to his research, the fir- this is the first documented case of conjoined twins. You can check that up. Uh, that's what he claims, meaning there's no medical documentation to conjoined twins prior to this case in the Talmud.
2: Does it matter right. if they're identical twins or?
1: Well, they're always going to be identical. They, uh, if, uh, okay. if it's conjoined, they're always going to be identical because it's, basically one of yeah. them that's yeah. that's Wait, not
3: splitting. it you said it's the first example in the Talmud no no it's the first,
1: the first uh, recorded example there's no recorded um, there's case no of conjoined twins
3: but there's no example it's just I'm talking about the the historical recorded words that use yes. the concept yes, of yes, conjoined twins but there's no actual example
1: i don't mean they're, just they're, they're, just they're, they're just bringing
3: exam- up the concept
1: Yes, but I'm okay. saying this is the first recorded case in history. But no, there's uh, no uh, case. Are they describing a specific yeah. case? Yeah, yeah. Well, we walked in the Talmud we discussed because last week. Father walked in and said that I had I had a child with two heads been born to me. Yeah. Right. So that was an actual case that in th- you look looking at the wrong. Oh, side oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, right, right, the other right, side. Right, right. So in the Talmud that we did discussed two two last week actually are are it's an actual case that happened that this father walked in. Didn't see the baby, but they, they uh,
0: that's what Black. is not required. They present as a single <laughs> person with two heads, good. rather than I'm two people with one head. Yeah, body. but the <laughs>
1: answer was <laughs> the answer was that he has I to no give idea. two two ten slime to the coin. <laughs> that's right. So, it mean, the Kamar seems to imply in the final ruling, at least according to this opinion, that that, the, that uh, it's you would have to uh, two people, because you have to give two two times to the coin, two redemptions.
0: Could be
1: one person with two heads. So. Redemption on end, eh? It's Possibly. not seven and a half. Yes, because okay. yes. uh, as we dis- as we mentioned last week in the Tfillin case, it doesn't seem to give an answer okay. as to uh, how many It doesn't go back to that. Okay, so let's get to the, to the to the main question, which we're saying here, is the case of separation. So, so first of all, I, I just pointed out. Um, what year was this?
3: This is Mishnah or, or Gemara. Gemara. Talmud. So, Gemara we assume is what, 600? I mean, 300. 300, so
1: 600, isn't
3: it? This is also, there's ceramics dating back to 300 and writings around 400.
1: Uh, what? To discuss?
3: Mm-hmm. That are not referring to the Talmud. No, I'm
1: They're saying that discuss. Conjoint twins,
3: it. yeah. Okay. Oh. You don't discuss it, it's just pictures. Right, but they actually refer okay. to a man that's double in his upper, but single in his lower half, having two heads, two chests, that's four hands, but one body and two feet like an ordinary man.
1: That might be just a higher movie. Well, they're
3: discussing. describing somebody.
1: <coughs> anyway, okay, so so the, so the just as far as connections, mm-hmm, okay. there are, um, this is taken from CHAP, which is the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, which specializes in conjoining twins. They have a, a, I don't know, specializing, but they have a a um, a clinic which deals with congenital diseases and they they do a lot of separations. So they talk about here one, two, three, four, five, five types of of the common um, connections. First of all, just some numbers here. Um, Conjoined twins are generally classified three ways. 75% are joined at the chest wall or upper abdomen. Um, 23% are joined at the hips, legs, or genitalia. 2% are joined at the head. They actually head is connected could be on the top of the head side of the head but okay so the common twin types include thoro-thoraco-pagus, uh, most common type of conjoined twin which along with amphlo-amphlo-pagus, represents about 75% of the cases two babies lie face to face and share a common sternum diaphragm and upper abdomen, abdomen, abdominal wall case of conjoined hearts at the ventricular level there are no known survivors that's, we're going to talk about a case like that. Um, and there's amphilopagus, which is the least complicated connection, usually considered a subgroup of theracopagus. Babies face one another and joined at the anterior abnormal wall from from the, how do you pronounce this word, Ixfoid, xfoid, x x-foid, uh, to umbilicus. The perineal, peritoneal cavity of one tends to be joined by the other, but upper intestinal tracts are usually separate. Majority of cases, a bridge of liver connects the infants. And this pygopicus represents about 20% of cases joined at the buttocks and perineum, facing away from each other. Significant length of the sacrum may be fused, and as a result, the twins often share sacral spinal canal. Um, sacral spinal canal, not sacred. A single lower rectum and anus is common, and often the lower genital tract and external genitalia are fused. And is... 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 is, is Cyphoid. Cyphagus, representing less than 5% of cases. The connection occurs at a single bony pelvis. Four normal legs may be attached, but often two of the four are fused into one malformed limb. Mm. Intestinal tracts often join and empty into a single colon. Then there's the last one is crani- craniopagus, the least common type of conjoined twins, accounting for 2% of cases, presented by fusion of the skull. The twins often share large dural mm. sinuses and vascular structures. Cool.
3: Not sinuses, different sinuses. So different sinuses, yeah. okay. Yeah.
1: Dural sinuses. These
3: what? hold blood, the others hold uh-huh. air. Right. Wasn't Dural that Ben Carson's claim kind to of thing? Hey, yeah, yeah, I separated uh, he was uh, craniopagus, 21-hour operation. He was
1: joined in oh. the head with Trump?
3: Ben Carson. He was joined with Trump. His first thing was just doing the hemicraniotomy. Like, mm. hemi, what is it called, whatever. Pulling out half that brain because mm. of seizures. That's what he was waiting for his teacher to be out of town. That's what he did. Do surgery. That's, that's common, actually, in surgery. You wait for your teacher to leave, and then you do the thing that the teacher's been waiting to do for There's years.
1: that? Yeah. have You got a big screen? Rarely the brains are separated by bone, and each brain has separate lep- uh, leptomanyages. In other words, the brains are connected or separated only by arachnoid, making separation extremely difficult and dependent upon a superior sagittal sinus for each brain. Okay, so that's a okay. different types. Yes. Any questions? Oh. I can't answer that. Um,
0: Chang and Eng, by the way, were born in 1811 and died in 1874. They were the silent twins.
3: Mm-hmm. They
1: lived a long time. English, English. We got English.
0: They did. And a lot of kids, like what I said.
1: Okay, so, so we're going to discuss a, one of the first um, separation cases in the United States. Mm-hmm. took
2: place
1: one of the f- um, in this type I'm of, of you asked. Um, <laughs> so this was a case that took place in 1977 um, in a couple an orthodox couple in Lakeland New Jersey um, had gave birth to conjoined twins and they flew the twins originally <laughs> to chop um, in Philadelphia where happened to be, at the time, the C. Everett Coop, the future mm-hmm. Surgeon General of the United States, under Ronald Reagan, I believe, mm. um, was the chief of surgery at the time in, in the hospital. And the children were taken there. This was, again, like I said, 1977. Um, so they were joined. They were fused in the ventral area, all the way from the shoulder down to the pelvic region, this, these two twins. And they shared a six-chambered heart. So, again, there was, I believe, surgery, separation surgery prior to this, but not this type, where in this case, they actually, the twins were sharing a heart where, basically, there's no way, um, it says, see uh, every ascertained, there's no way they were going to live together, meaning the 6 chambered heart was not powerful enough to, to, um, to pump enough blood for both of them um so it was basically they would have to separate them and kill one in order to save the life of the other that was basically the decision that had to be made um and and leave one with the with this heart um well actually w- it was meaning they would s- the way he describes it here they would actually have to separate the four chamber heart from the other two chambers and then and then uh, but but obviously the two chamber heart was not enough mm. to keep the other baby alive so so meaning there was only one solution. The entire six chambered heart had to be given to baby B. So they were known as baby B and baby A. Um, I guess the father hadn't gone to show to name them. Um, at this point. Did so how old they were at the time? Oh let let's see. The twins were taken by helicopters to on September fifteenth. Mm-hmm. They were born in early September and on September fifteenth they were taken to Chop um who doesn't and sounds like they were two weeks old or something, you know. Yeah, okay. They,
2: they probably spent s- at least weeks planning the surgery.
1: That's right. So, well, he's going to discuss it, actually. See, Everett Koop wasn't happy. It uh, took too long to get the halachic back. Because what happened was the parents were Orthodox, so they spoke to their rabbi um, with this question. And their rabbi then took the question to Ramosha Feinstein at the time to discuss it. Um, and see, Everett Koop ended up conferencing with Ramosha Feinstein a number of occasions, but it took Rabbi Feinstein a, a good, I think, almost a month to make huh. a decision, three weeks well. to a month, um, to, f- to to end up allowing it. So that's what we're going to discuss, why he allowed it, um, but I just, interestingly enough, I want to read some, okay, maybe we'll get to He'd it.
2: He'd never make it as a surgeon, taking a month to make up his mind.
1: about it was a month, we'll see Everybody the dates. <laughs> So, so so, the key questions are obviously when you're any time you're dealing, not just in this case, we'll discuss this particular case, but any case obviously has to be looked at separately as normally in Halacha, but question: the obvious question is is it permitted to kill one person in order to save someone else? Which is really the issue here. You're killing baby A in this case in order to save baby B. Okay. Um, so that's question number one. Do we, and as we know from past discussions it's usually not allowed in Halakha, so the question is, why here did Feinstein end up permitting it? Um, Is there a difference between actively causing a death and passively causing a death? So I'm not sure how that would be applicable here, but I mean, in this case, leaving them, not doing anything, he said they're both going to die, it's just a matter of time, and they're clearly both twins would die. Um, And In order to, as we'll see when uh, Dr. Krupp describes the surgery, Mm -hmm. he actually literally killed the baby and he cut off blood supply to to, to baby A. Um, what should be done if one person's death can save many lives? That's really not, that's not this case. But, um, does the legal status change if one person is pursuing another as we, as we discussed? So there are exceptions. There are times um, such as self-defense where you can kill someone to save your life. Um, in that case your life or even save someone else's life if the person is what we call a road So we'll see how that applies here. And and obviously this is what's amazing about this case is here you have these nice principles that we learn about here in theoretical situations um, that the Talmud talks about, but actually applying them to uh, to uh, real life dilemmas real life situations in this case. So so, this is what's fascinating about this case. So,
3: Is there anything that's different from the secular and the religious in this case, or would the secular decisions would have been the exact same thing?
1: So uh, I can't speak for the secular, but I mean, just know, first of all, from Dr. Koop's, this morning I just Googled about this case. So there's a lot of, Dr. Koop spoke a lot about it. He actually, there was a play um, made about this case in Philadelphia um, where Dr. Koop actually went to see it called The Choice. It was written. Uh, the play was written by um, a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer who had covered the case when it happened. So it was a big case at the time. So he subsequently produced a play. So there's a lot. Dr. Koop talks about it also in his obituary. Mm-hmm. As he talks about the case in his quotes. Plus, he himself spoke about it too. And he's a alumnus of Dartmouth, I believe. So it was a case where he went to Dartmouth. He actually spoke the Chabad there, and he spoke about the case himself. So all we know is really. The secular point is Dr. Koop, although he was very religious. Um, and he ended up relying on Ramosha for what to do, because obviously it a case of consent. He could only do what the parents... Well, that, that's
3: to. what I'm trying to understand. He was rely, you say that casually, that he was relying on Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, but the reality is he's a surgeon.
1: Yes. And
3: so he, of course, is going to want to take into consideration the family, what they want, all that. But in the end, if a surgeon realizes that one of the babies <laughs> is going to die,
1: Die. He's have to kill
3: There's a greater chance that one baby is going to live over the other. It seems like a straightforward answer from a surgical perspective, if you're able to do the surgery to reconstruct the heart, and which is when not, not trivial. To save, it's <coughs> you if you can want to save the one and sacrifice the one that's right. not going to live anyway, it seems from a secular perspective a fairly straightforward answer. So my question is, mm-hmm. what was the decision with Rabbi Feinstein, and how would that, that
2: yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, sorry, mean, I, I, I'm not so sure that that, that is the secular answer, that's what, that's because my question. A, and, and I wish I remembered it better, but there's a, f- a famous case in law school where the survivors on a dinghy yeah. after the ship went down, and one is very weak and not going to make it, and the question is, is it okay to kill them and eat them? To
1: mm-hmm. save the others. And there's a case. Actually, I it. Yeah. They tried the it's person.
2: Exactly. So that that's a, a famous case.
1: And for murder. Meaning, meaning, even in secular. <laughs> <outcome>. <laughs> well, I think what Ed is trying to say, even in medicine. Again, I can't speak Ed for secular medicine, but but meaning to actually kill a person. Meaning, it's what's the difference between, let's say, this, you have a patient, a 90 year old patient who can who has uh, you can use his heart for a <coughs> transplant, do you actually go ahead and murder him? No, no, everyone agrees, right, just to take the extreme case. You know, if you have a patient that needs a transplant, and I can say, okay, let's f- look in the waiting room, see who we can kill to, right. to do the transplant. So, so mm. meaning the question is here, again, obviously, it's, I'm, I'm taking the mm. extreme as I usually do um, to show you the example, but the point is, so here, it was a question of killing. It wasn't a question of passively letting the twin die. Sure. It was actually... He would have to cut off the blood supply and kill that twin. So, again, I don't know how it is to save the life, and that they both would have died. Obviously, what Allah has to deal with, but also the surgeons. I can't speak for the surgeon. I'll I'll read you some quotes from him, maybe ascertain the back. This is 1977.
0: Contemporary bioethics, as we know it now, secular bioethics, which is ruled by autonomy, may not. We're not were not yet in place. So one thing you could say for sure, if these people weren't orthodox Jews and weren't religious, Cooper almost certainly would have advised them what, what he thought mm-hmm. to do. And I, hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 1977, I'm not sure Cooper would have felt confident with any option. Uh, in 1977, this civil operation- yeah, it's still ultimately a moral decision. Yeah. Secular yeah. But they but they could have yeah. chosen not to do anything They just let the kids yeah. right. die. So by the way, just oh, to speak to your point, I just, mm-hmm.
1: I just remembered something very important, speak to your point, is that Coop himself was concerned about being tried for murder, being tried for murder actually in the, the literal sense, because yeah. of the case. So he went to a court to get permission from a three panel court, it says here. From
3: a right? secular court. From
1: a secular oh. court to yeah. get permission meaning legally that to he'd, do be, absolved it, of that he'd any be absolved of any <laughs> charges yeah. of murder Yeah, so clearly he was, uh, it was obviously so struggling he was concerned yeah. yeah. forget about the moral <laughs> even the legal sense sure. it, it was a scary thing as shall we say? So I think also it was 1977 the concept of maybe I don't know if hospitals had ethics committees then or it didn't I don't know. I assume they did. I so I, I don't not think, sure.
0: you know, in retrospect, after the <laughs> operation, it was pretty out. clear that the four-chamber heart could only support one life. I think bef- pre-op that a was ch- a ch- six-chamber. Heart. No, but the uh, but only could it support right. baby B. But I think beforehand, I'm not sure they were as certain of that as they were after the surgery. I don't so uh, I, I think the, there were a lot of unknowns before the operation. Yeah. Operate. They
1: didn't know the surgery was going to be successful. That's I mean, obviously yeah, another question. Yeah, sure. But uh, well, to, to your point, I'll read some of Koop's quotes. So this is um, I took from a presentation he gave to students um, in Dartmouth. So he said like this, um, he said, Koop's resulting presentation revealed to the students that just as the Talmud and later Jewish sages considered cases similar to such seemingly modern questions as abortion and experimental treatments, those who ponder the faith of the conjoined twins also reach back to Talmudic arguments. Coop, aware of the urgency of medical intervention, had little to do but wait for a decision." So this is a quote from him. My problem was that I'm a doctor and not a theologian, he said. But it became clear, uh, uh, quoting him again, it became clear that the decision was going to be made with theological Mm -hmm. law coming long before medical law that I understood completely. End quote. that, I don't know what he means by that, I understood completely, but finally Coop received a call from a young man on behalf of Tendler telling him that he could proceed with the operation. As soon as Coop made the first incision, this is he's Coop speaking, it became clear uh, that his prediction was correct. The one baby would have died in either case. That, w- that meaning, because he claimed that, but it wasn't clear, he said he told the surgeon, Quote, this is from Coop, There was nothing we can do. We had to destroy one child to give the other life, said the doctor. We went through the maneuvers and about 8.30 the twins were separated. Still, I thought the chances of even one child surviving were pretty darn slim," end quote. Second twin. That
0: four-chamber heart was not a normal heart. Anyway, th- that that heart had other Sixth problems chamber. aside I from- I keep on
1: saying 4 Six-chamber.
0: No, I understand. Oh, mean even the when the they uh, separated, th- it wasn't a normal heart. Oh, that that okay. heart had other hemodynamic problems. It wasn't just a normal four-chamber heart to which two uh, two chambers were attached. So there was a lot of problems with By that. the way, the
1: second twin mm-hmm. ended up dying.
0: Three days later. Three days
1: later, anyway, but nothing to do with the surgery. It, was they, they, it seems like they gave a transfusion with hepatitis, blood transfusion with hepatitis. Wait, the second one. The, meaning the, 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 one the surviving twin, meaning the twin, the baby uh-huh, B. That's such a shame. Um, died from a, really? a tainted hepatitis transfusion. That's what I read. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Although it says here, it says Coop answered. He saw, it, meaning they asked him, "What that if that it would have been done earlier?" Do you think mm-hmm. uh, so? So Coop answered that we saw he saw little value in asking "what if" questions. I want to answer the questions. Anyway, there's one that to run Coop. So this other quote says, Last March, this is taken from his obituary in the Philadelphia Inquirer. It says like this, Last March he and his second wife, Cora Hogue Coop, came to the city to see a play about conjoined twins written by former Inquirer medical writer, Donald Drake. The play, Choice, at the Painted Bride Art Center, was based on the case Mm -hmm. in which Coop was faced with saving one baby by sacrificing the other. After the performance, performance, Coop talked about his own case. Knowing that one of the twins in his care would have to die, he said that he had consulted rabbis, including one whose son Koop had, co- had operated on, to consider the morality of causing a death. So, you know, he, he, they're making it like he consulted rabbis. He's saying himself, but I, I think it was yeah. the parents, obviously. But he's saying, I consulted rabbis. Quote, when I tied off one car- uh, car- carotid artery Karate. and killed a child, Koop said, I'd given no thought about what would happen to the body. I had one dead baby and one live baby separated them. One of the nurses took the child who was now dead and carried it to the door of the operating room. The door opened and there stood the rabbi. (laughs) Uh He says, quote, the fact that he was there seemed almost almost like God's blessing on what I had done, end quote. Coop was a devout Presbyterian and Christian conservative, but when it came to saving lives, he was willing to buck fellow conservatives who were opposed to a stand on condoms and sex education in schools, possibly as early as third grade to prevent the spread of AIDS. This is just, again, from his obituary in the in the Philadelphia Chronicle, anyway. So, so clearly, this yeah. was a uh, interestingly enough. And, and there's another quote, one more quote, a great quote that I always quote. I thought it was f- actually in a press conference. I used to quote it from a press conference, but this is Tandler, who was Moshe's son-in-law, who actually spoke to Coop on the phone during this whole thing, because Rabbi Feinstein's English wasn't the, wasn't that great. So he was the go-between. He's a biologist, um, so he says there at one point he says he's discussing with with his team but it was could be it was at a press conference and this was quoted in the Philadelphia Inquirer where Coop was asked this question how do you know you're making the right decision to kill a baby so he says i can't find it somewhere but he says um, he says i don't i don't know what the right decision is <coughs> but he says um, there's a I gave the quote, let me ju- I want to find the original quote because I can't say it as good as he himself says it. All right, so first of all, it says here that th- in this case, Dr. Krupp referred the case to the courts as as not to have any accusation of premeditated murder level against it. Um But it also says here, he claims that uh, nur- in addition, nurses and doctors at Children's Hospital consulted with their religious guides and many reported back that they, they would not be able to participate in the surgery. So mu- almost all the Catholics prohibited um, Catholicism, as we know, even abortion, They say better two deaths than one better than one murder. So c- Surely Catholicism, <coughs> I mean, I mean, doesn't say the details, it would not allow to kill one baby to save the life of the other, that's no question. So all the Catholic nurses, and there are a lot of them in Philadelphia, Right, you lived in well, Philly? Well, it's Italian, South Philly. Right, <laughs> so, uh, so they all it's good. could not participate. A lot of them right. pulled out and participating in the surgery. Um, so on I just want to find that one quote. So yeah.
3: because they weren't there, that's why I the play got tainted. Okay.
1: <laughs> be. So it says, um, Dr. Krupp, when he was, this again, I thought this was a press conference because I remember seeing the original article, I couldn't find it now, in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Um meaning I saw it online many years ago, but can't fi- couldn't find it, but Dr. Cook, part of the group with the following statement, quote, the ethics and morals involved in this decision are too complex for me. I believe they are too mm-hmm. complex for you as well. Therefore, I referred it to an old rabbi in the Lower East Side of New York. He's a great scholar, saintly individual. He knows how to answer such questions. When he tells me, I too will know. That was the quote supposedly from Cooke. I mean, it's coming it from is his says son. Baby
0: B died three months later of liver failure and infection. That's mm-hmm. what it says. So it sort of supports what you were saying.
1: Okay, have, so do they have a funeral for baby? A? So wanna, uh, I mean, I don't see why not. Separate
0: individual. One or two.
2: When hmm. we had half a heart.
1: Yeah, I'm saying obviously it was two. So that so th- so beginning here, so it starts off every tender. So this book again, this is uh, written by R- Moshe Feinstein's son-in-law. It's called Care of the Critically Ill, Volume One. He never came out with any Volume Two. Um, it was written uh, it was written in. Mel Brooks um, said
3: the same thing. History mm. of the World, Part One.
1: Yes. You're right. <laughs> I don't know got it. But but, um, <laughs> No doubt. In any case, so he th- just to preface it, he is a very controversial figure. His, this Rabbi Tendler, who is Rabbi Feinstein's son-in-law, um, many people do not trust his um, quotes from his father-in-law, um, and there's a lot of lot of. Uh, he's very controversial in in different ways, and certain people won't accept what he says, including here, as we're going to see, this from Moshe Feinstein, there's no written documentation, um, meaning he never wrote a response about this case. It was all orally, on the phone with Dr. Koop. Nothing was ever, he never wrote a response about it. So he is reconstructing Dr. Tendler, who was there at the time and spoke to Dr. Koop, in this uh, chapter of the book, reconstructs the conversations that took place with Dr. Koop and with Dr. Feinstein, and, uh, and Rabbi Feinstein. Um, mm-hmm. s- many people, as we'll see, disagree vehemently with the way he quoted it, not that they were in the room, they just don't trust him, um, including Dr. Uh, Rabbi Black, who has a chapter in his book about, about uh, conjoined twins, and he says, it's impossible Rabbi Feinstein to use this logic, it doesn't make any sense, mm. and therefore he, do- he doesn't trust Rabbi Tandler, they actually won't appear together on the same stage at the same conferences. That's Good. your level of Bleich distrust. And yeah, Bleich and Tendler will not uh, so will come to uh, conference. They'll speak at the same conference, but not if so he's So Dr. There,
0: Coop <coughs> relied on <coughs> Tendler's version of events and was saying that Feinstein never would have said what Tendler said. Tendler's
1: said. quoting him and saying, he says, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that's so Coop the beauty of Judaism.
2: Coop didn't go to a Presbyterian scholar.
1: <laughs> Clearly not. Um, maybe he did, but he the parents were us the a lot of the A
0: lot of the faculty and a lot of the staff consulted their own priests and mm-hmm. to see what they, because not everybody, not everybody okay. agreed to participate in the care of the yes, baby. You
1: missed it, too, while you were on your phone. No, no, I heard it. Uh, no, I know. I was just confirming okay.
0: that, that, seeing who they who they uh, consulted. But if the family were, were Jewish, you were, that's, sure. they would want
1: Yeah, well, anyway, you need consent. I mean, you couldn't do anything without the parents agreeing, so. Right. Irrelevant, mm. you know, really, in that, in that sense, what his
0: or a guardian life.
2: Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so like I so
0: said, the Catholics consulted their priests, whether they could participate in this because when it's they're going to kill one baby.
1: So again, the uh, bottom line is in the, f- the because we need to finish this today. the The first question Ramosha had to ascertain, which was asked numerous times to Dr. Coop, is one: Is will is it possible? them to survive. Uh, question number one is obviously, is it possible for them to survive without the surgery? That was clearly no. <coughs> Everyone agreed. That was simple. Were they considered, meaning two people, obviously is the question, which again, it was assumed they were. And the main question r- where Feinstein had, had is it possible to give this heart to baby A? Um, because Dr. Koop was suggesting that baby B be the one to be given the heart. So I well, mean, we Feinstein's question on two occasions. I mean, he, he asked it once, and then he came back a few days later, asked the same question again. He wanted to know, meaning, is it possible for baby A to survive, or is it only possible for baby B to survive? According to Dr. C- according to Dr. Koop, and at least according to Tendler's version of Dr. Koop, Dr. Koop made it very clear that um, baby A, w- even if they take this heart. Uh, and give it to baby A and kill baby B, baby A would not survive, because baby A had other circulatory problems um, that would not have allowed for survival, even with with, uh, with the heart, so being given the heart. Yes.
2: As usual, things revolve around how you frame an issue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you frame it as killing baby A to save baby B, appears to me to be different than saying that baby B is sacrificing himself to keep baby A alive. Well, baby
1: B doesn't have a choice. Anybody.
2: And therefore, uh, we generally allow. We, we generally don't require somebody to sacrifice themselves. In fact, we kind of forbid it.
1: Mm, well, in this case, so, first of all, baby B didn't have any. Would I? Baby didn't have a choice. Then we not knowing. Well, the, uh, but saying the guardian of baby B, which is the parents. <coughs>
2: yeah. So so anyway, one is <coughs> basically a parasite off the other, and right. baby B would be sacrifice would would be sacrificing his own life to save baby A. If you were to not separate them and kill baby B,
3: baby A. I mean, does that make sense? I think their assumption is that they would both die.
1: The, the one, You're right. Yeah.
3: Before they both die, you're right. B, B would be sacrificing a bit of its life to right. help baby A, right. but they would both die.
0: But, you know, the, the strength of response as opposed to secular bioethics, secular bioethics you essentially start with four principles, and the case has to fit into those four principles. The framing is critical because in casuistic approaches, which is sort of what the response is, you talk with the case, you nail down the facts, and then you frame it in terms of what is the dominated pr- dominant principle. Unlike secular ethics, where it's always autonomy. So I think that's a, a key distinction between secular and Jewish bioethics. The framing itself is critical to the whole process. The process is entirely different in, in response as opposed to right. in secular and, bioethics. And here it was framed as killing one to save another.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: As opposed to to, death. to one having to sacrifice its its own life to keep the
0: other one alive. <coughs> yeah. Ron said what, what would the, be? The, be? The, mm-hmm. secular the secular approach be? secular approach would be whatever the parents would say, This is what we want you to do and if Coop went along with it, that's the end of the story.
1: Right. Coop again, I mean like Ron said meaning there was a even even if the parents give consent, Coop still needed to go to the courts, and Karpov mm-hmm. yeah. I me mean, it was still well, was that, that concern was about. But
2: that's a that different. was a self, that was a defensive mechanism on uh-huh. the part of <coughs> that <coughs> wasn't uh, uh-huh. that was yeah.
3: purely selfish, yeah, really. Right? <laughs> it's uh-huh. appropriate. It's
2: even questionable whether whether that was a legitimate case and you to get take a to commission? court because.
0: Right. It wasn't a case of controversy yet. Right. But that's a big issue. But that's also that's a, a second a contradistinction between secular and Jewish bioethics. In Jewish bioethics, if it's, le- if it's ethical, it's legal. If it's legal, it's ethical. Not so in secular bioethics. It could be ethically okay, according to secular bioethics, and legally no, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Is secularly, who speaks for the baby? Good question parents of one opinion, I'm sure that there must be some advocate for both of them, both True. babies, well, Hopefully. what would they say? In it's a question
2: that the parent would speak for the children unless there was a conflict of interest that caused you to to say that they are not proper uh, decision-makers or surrogatives. Well, unless baby, the a a uh, <laughs>
0: baby A might argue that they have uh, really conflict of <laughs> interest. <coughs> Maybe A was dead the, man walking. A case yeah, like
2: this where walking. one is going to be sacrificed and not even crawling, when you went to court, the court would probably
3: assign each of them a guardian and a wife. would still be argued. They still be arguing. Yeah, my my question is: Nowadays, we have the technology to understand a conjoined twin in utero, and if you're able to distinguish the type of conjoined twin and understand the morbidity associated with the specific type of organs that are shared, um, then I just wonder about the concept of abortion. At the ah, time so of a, before yeah. you even deliver, because if you know that they're joined you can't at the heart, abort one.
1: I mean, you'd have to abort in this
3: way. case if they know, which we would know now, na- we now would know, uh, but I don't know if they had that technology then, but maybe
1: abortion would, uh, would not allow you to abort one. Of the, the question other. is, they
3: would both be aborted, right. Right. yeah. Because if we know that the chances of survival are so slim, depending on the specific conjoined organs, mm-hmm. uh, it might be an important discussion. In
0: this particular yes. case. you wouldn't, because there would be a chance of saving Correct. one. Right. And the only way you could do that is to let them go to term. Uh, absolutely. O- only from a Jewish ethical point of view. From secular, if the parents want an abortion, it's done. If might get an abortion. Well, I don't need any reason. Right, so exactly. Abortion. No, that's true.
2: But, but to Ron's point, it kind of brings up the issue, and maybe we've talked about it before, uh, of culling when when you have in vitro fertilization, you get four, five, or six mm-hmm. uh, That's prior to, to implantation, so there's yeah. no
1: issue. Allah uh, yeah. has Halacha, no problem with that because uh, pre-implantation it's, it's uh, not considered uh, Right, but anything.
2: But at what point would would that become an issue? I don't know that they do the culling before implantation. Yeah, they, yeah. they do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But and they that. still PGD. implant a
3: number of fertilized yeah. Not anymore, anymore really. Most the of the time it's just one. Really? Now. I thought it was more than that. Not yeah. usually anymore. It used to be. Not too usually.
0: I well, you know, missed my class. Right before and we, we, right
1: month after I, we got there, they implanted six. Call Linda. Jeez. Right. Well, it wasn't, so that wasn't the kids, question.
0: None of them, none of them <laughs> took.
1: Now they only implant mm-hmm. one. Maybe we'll talk about in it many ways. I'm glad to see oh, that still is an work. issue. <laughs> it's not as much an issue today because today yeah, it's you always would. done before implantation. Used to be they would implant <laughs> to in, in the old days, <laughs> and then you have multiple births. Uh, yeah, Can yeah, yeah, you yeah. abort selectively abort some right. fetuses? So that 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 was a question. I don't today it's less relevant but the,
2: the halacha on it's already been looked at. Yes,
1: yes. I don't know the answer, but why not? You're supposed to know everything. only on my first coffee, (laughs) that's why. Um, okay, so, (coughs) so, so again, the key question here was, can the six-chambered heart only be given to baby B, or could also be given to baby A? That was the original question. Once Coop um, very clearly uh, ascertained that to Rabbi Feinstein and, and made it clear that baby A would not be able to survive even if the heart was given to her because, like we mentioned, um, there was other circulatory issues that would not allow our survival so that so then that's when Ramosha was able to make his decision by the way that he actually gave permission on October 11th oh sorry October 6th was when Ramosha gave permission um, which again the babies were born in the beginning of September so there was a long period of time the surgery wasn't completed till October 11th so just if you want to know the timeline but um, basically so the question is what, what there were two approaches that motion permitted based on one according to Tenler and then there was another one that was proposed but he didn't like so much so we'll discuss both of them so the, the let's start with the approach that he didn't like necessarily which is the second approach here if you go to your <coughs> uh, sheet <laughs> so um, you know let's go in order Actually, let's start from three sorry so three is the f- this is a famous mission in all which discusses. Why oh, are you giving away anything? What is. It? No, no, this is not. This is my notes. Teacher's Edition. Don't give that away. I'm not going <laughs> to give this class again. Um, so. Teacher's um, Edition. The. There's a famous Mishnah, and then you stole my punchline, <coughs> you mentioned it already, um, which is dealing with abortion. Um is a Mishnah in Allot, Tractate Allot, which discusses um, when. A when you're allowed to abort a baby and when you're not, when the fetus, generally the, the Jewish uh, Torah view, the halachic view, is when the fetus is endangering the life of the mother, you're allowed to, um, not you're allowed to, you're in a certain sense, even obligated to have an abortion. Okay? The mother's life overrides the fetus if the fetus is endangering the life of the mother. But up to a certain point, that's only when it's in the fetal stage, meaning when it's mm. within the womb. Once the mother, once it's a partial birth, so to speak. I don't like using that term. Sound very Texan, maybe. Um, right wing. But the partial birth, at that point, once the baby, most of the torso of the baby, the head and most of the torso is out, and at that point, even if the baby's endangering at that point, it's a baby, it's no longer a fetus, halachically, and even if the baby's endangering the life of the mother, you would not be allowed to kill the baby at that point. Okay? So that's the mission says. Let's just read the Mishnah here. Number three on the seat. It says, Aisha, the woman who's in um, labor, uh, and, miss, and for whatever reason there's issues there with the, where the baby is endangering the life of the mother not clear what's happening here here it happens to be in labor but obviously it's not limited to a case of labor so you're allowed to kill the child, cut up the child within her womb, perform an abortion um, and then you take out the baby piece by piece meaning this c- the case that the Misha is describing is where the baby can't come out too large I guess whatever reason they couldn't do cesarean, I don't know the details, um, and uh, it says you can perform an abortion if it's endangering the life of the mother. Because the mother's life takes precedence over the fetus. Okay, this is very different than, as we mentioned, the, the Catholic view, Christian view, which is ba- even in the case where the baby's endangering the life of the mother, cri- uh, Christian theology does not allow an abortion because they say better two, um, better two deaths than one murder.
0: Yes, I have to. One second. Is it's that better Christian, to the theology one? or catholic theology? I don't
1: know. Catholic. catholic.
0: Okay. Also, I have to tell you, I, on our CMATH board, we had a woman who was a former nun, and is a bioethicist now. And I would get up and say stuff like that, and she would take me aside and beat me up. She says, "Look, you should not be speaking about Catholic bioethics because it's not, not as simple as yours. Mention. Not as sim- Nothing simple. I'm just saying that that we need to be very circumspect." It's hard enough to quote Jewish biomedical ethics, right. let alone Catholic. She said, do not say that anymore.
1: I, I, I have a principle. I don't trust former nuns, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> yeah.
3: trust, I don't <laughs> think she would trust rabbis either. Former <laughs> nuns. No, I
1: trust nuns, not former nuns. Okay, okay maybe I'm watching too much in late TV. Uh, okay, so um, yeah,
0: five nuns in my in
1: So now it says <laughs> Yatsarubai. Once <laughs> most of the f- of the uh, again it's a partial birth, most it's of the not fetus not is not coming not is out. Wonder why Ain Nogimbo? Then you can no longer touch the fetus, even though the fetus is threatening the life of mother. It, it doesn't fetus, say baby. head.
3: It just says the majority. Yes, yes. Okay, but that's the question. What that means? It,
1: uh, it, I believe the Talmud says or the to look it up says head is out. That's enough. Once it the head what? is out. Once the head is out. Or, let's say if it's a breach, so then th- most, mm-hmm. then you would need rope, which is the language here. So, but a head, and head and head again, don't quote me on this. So I have to look it up. It is, the, is that
2: the entire head or just the brow? I don't know.
1: I don't, wanna, I don't remember. I don't want to say about
2: the nose? That'd be kind of critical.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I thought
2: there was something in Halifax well, about the brow. we're going to talk about it.
1: No, but well, in this case, we're going to see it. It has it, it, y- it might clarify itself because I'm going to explain what uh, what the upper philosophy brow. behind it. So, ain't no At that point, once it's a partial birth, you can no longer touch the baby. Shame docha nefish because at this point, one life does not see they're both equal lives. One life does not supersede the other. So the question is exactly what's the difference between these two cases. So the simple reasoning is here: Why are you allowed to abort the child when it's endangering the life of the other of the mother, assuming that it is a life, which is not. 100% either in, uh, in what the Torah view is. There are differing opinions, and we're not going to get into abortion. We did that two, three, or four years ago. Um, so, so, But there are differing opinions. Whether a fetus is a life at all, is it considered a full life? But just leaving that out, that debate out for a second, the question is here, even if it is a full life, which yeah. there are opinions who view it that way, we view the fetus as a rotiff, as you mentioned, as a pursuer, because, um, as you s- used the word before, the, the fetus. In a certain sense, is totally dependent on the mother. Okay. Uh, well, we will we'll get to that part. But the point is, the fetus is endangering the life of the mother. It's a rodev. Allah is uh, that the 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 exception to the rule is you're allowed to save a life when one someone is one you have a pursuer. Again, the, the term is called ro-death, chasing someone else. You see someone running down the street, chasing someone with a gun. So Normally, I can't save a life. I can't kill someone to save the life of another. But in that case. Um, you can shoot the pursuer. You can kill the pursuer, I- assuming that there's no other way to to mm-hmm. stop the pursuit. Meaning, if, uh, of course, if you can shoot at the legs, you have to shoot at the legs. But if the only way to stop this person from mur- mur- murdering the pursued, the victim, is by killing him, then uh, of course you're allowed to kill the pursuer. So that's known as the law of Rodev. and it's applied. The Rambam applies that. Um, that analogy here to to the case of a fetus. So the obvious question: So what about? So why is it different yeah. in the case with a bit of partial birth? Why yeah. in the partial birth birth do we don't allow it? It's also a pursuit. It's a rodef.
0: If yeah. you don't think a fetus is a life, can it be a rodef or vice versa? If you say it's a rodef, it's not a
1: life. Then surely you don't even. You might. You, I don't know if you have to come on to the concept of rodef, meaning right. Uh, if it's not a life, uh, right. Or it could be a so machine. That's, that's why I mentioned it. Right, so that's a yeah. parenthetical issue, but. But it is important. But even if it's part
3: out, isn't that still the fetus being, or the ah, baby so that's the being rodef?
1: Exactly. So why, in the case of when it's partially out, all of a sudden we change the rules and we say no, even though it's endangering, it's endangering the life of the mother. Okay. So what's the difference? So
0: heaven's the rotif.
1: Yeah. So that's the language of the Rambam. No bomb.
0: longer rodef. Heaven's the rotif.
1: Well, that's the question. Well, wasn't heaven's the rotif in the fetus in the in the uterus in utero also? What's the difference? So the way the Rashi, I believe, seems mm. to explain it is, and other commentaries in the Raman, the difference is when the fetus is within utero, um, well, that's, the fetus is always within utero, um, the assumption is so. then it's totally dependent on the mother. Meaning it can't, its respiratory functions and it's okay. obviously eating, is all dependent on the mother. It can't live on its own. There's no way this fetus can survive on its own. So therefore, we, as you, as Ed used this language before, we view the fetus as sort of a parasite of the mother. Um, <coughs> it can't survive on its own. All, and now it, it's a parasite and it's threatening the life of the mother. So in that case, we view the fetus as a complete rodent. Okay, but once the fetus is partially out, that <coughs> the, the, the baby is, it, it's now, no, now, forget the nefesh. The issue is it's no longer reliant on the mother. Once, and that's where I think it might be clear, because the head has to be out of some much in the nose. Once it can breathe on its own, Technically, it can eat on its own. I mean, it can't go hunting, but if it can be fed, and it doesn't need <laughs> the mother go to hunting. be to to feed it, so now it is an independent life, and now its life and the mother's life are equal. So now they're both threatening each other. You have two lives that are threatening each other. It's not a parasitic relationship, um, as opposed. Right. So meaning now there becomes a question of two lives threatening each other. So how do we choose which life? We, what our commentators are it a mutual road if so to speak. If you have two people, you know, having a duel, chasing each other with guns, so who's the rodif?? Right? You know, for having a duel in an old western, we're both roads to each other. That's called a mutual rodef. Where Rabaki Veger, in his commentary on discussing rodif says, of course you can't kid that's not a rodif. So if you're fighting each other, so in this case they're what we may be what would be called mutual rodif once the the baby's out, because now it's an equal life to the mother, so to speak, because it's no longer that parasitic relationship. So that's how uh, Rashi seems to explain it. Yes.
0: That's why I thought they said in the second case heaven's the rodef, because not, in the first case you can make a halakhic distinction between a fetus, which is totally dependent upon the mother, and two independent lives. In that case, the second case, heaven's the rodef.
1: Yes, so Again, that's is my language. I'm not sure I understand how. To, the reason I'm not talking about it is because I don't I don't know how to understand it. In this context, necessarily, but, but let's let's stick to this. It, it, it could be that. This of means. is yeah. impossible
3: to decide.
1: Yeah, uh, but but the heaven being the road, of his, in both cases, technically, speaking, is, you could make that um, argument. So I, I still it.
3: think there's a way of differentiating the two lives. Remember, we had discussed many, many times ago that um, that if someone has the potential to perform, meets vote for subsequent Shabbatot that that person we should save them. And so here the mother has many more opportunities for mitzvot in the future. The baby is not even obligated for mitzvot at all. And so the question No, outside. 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 So the question is
1: Yes. No, nope, yeah. I understand, I but right now right now That's an interesting point, you're saying usually not, we
3: base our priority on saving a life They're not equal, So even though we call them equal they're not actually I in yeah. heavenly
1: Yes. perspective no,
3: no, If but you're talking about heavenly perspectives until the angel
0: does this doesn't count, so once the, baby, the head is out the angel is
2: that's I, well, I still I don't think I know. What was that they're going to work But you're basically saying that, that pre-bar mitzvah it it doesn't have any obligations. They don't.
1: One but second, but let, let me address might. Ron's point. Uh, Ron is a very good point. Meaning, normally when we're dealing with priority of saving a life, so we prioritize the person who's more obligated it So we're not going to get unpolitically correct here. But let's it's a question of a kohen or a let's say saving a rabbi or a layperson. Of course, you save the rabbi first. <laughs> okay. Of even, even Talmud also discusses mm-hmm. men and women because it could be based on the mm-hmm. ob- obligation of mitzvahs, Kohen and Yisrael so there's a whole hierarchy which very unpolitically correct, we're not going to get into but, but what I want to address is that's relevant when it comes to saving a life so we need to prioritize.
3: I thought that's what lives,
1: us. Here it's not a question of saving life. Here it's a question of killing one to save the other.
3: No, I thought it it's was killing saving one. the woman's life. Yeah,
1: no, but it's, we would have to kill the baby to I save understand. the woman. I understand. So now Absolutely. this is a different question. My boy, this this yeah. is murder. It's not, it's not a question of priorities in, in lifeboat no, life ethics. Life.
0: We're not talking about
3: killing the mother to
1: the baby. Her to die. No, no. Well, we're not
3: we're saying yet. We could allow her to die if but we don't not sacrifice the baby.
1: No, why not? What yeah. I'm and saying and is, we would have to kill the to baby to save the life of the mother. Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. now does that all those rules of hierarchy and I don't think apply in that case. Why not? Because it only applies again when you have two lives and I, c- I only have resources to save one. I only have one, uh, you know, polio vaccine. Should I give it to this one or that one? Should I give it to the rabbi or the layperson? So that's where we apply priorities. Uh, your priorities are discussed. You're in not sure the it.
0: other one's going to die.
1: No, no, no. It's irrelevant. That's a separate issue, but yeah, it might the be relevant after this. As, as opposed control. to here, it's a question but of committing an act of murder. We never allow you to commit murder to save a life, except in road death situations. That's my point. So here, should we kill? You understand? That's why I... I understand, but so
3: th- going back to Ed's point still is, even if they come out of the, the vaginal delivery and the head is delivered, now you have two people, supposedly. But which why, one do I kill? Why wouldn't the you woman's going to die if I don't kill the baby. Why wouldn't you consider the baby at that moment a Rodev?
1: Oh, so that's what we're answering. So that's that's the question. Because now you, you definitely have an equal. No, because they're equal at this point, since right. there's no longer a parasitic relationship, they're both but equal roads. the baby's road holding a gun, So we Yeah, but the, but the, the mother's them. also, only one of them can survive. Well, the mother's not holding
3: a gun. The well, baby is well the if baby we save the
1: life of the mother, we we have to kill the baby. So, so um, the mother is technically halachically threatening the baby. We view no, it. she's
3: not.
1: Uh, here, right? Let, let's move on to the, okay. to the conjoined twins. Uh, halachically, that's the way they view it, uh, rightfully or well, wrongfully that's So, not a good well, okay, I think, right. I think be, Ron,
0: not everyone believes this Rodef concept applies here because uh, of the of the situation. Ron says, you know, the one minute it's a Rodef, next minute it isn't. Why isn't it still a Rodef? So it well, that a That's f-
1: the question. The mission says very clearly: one, we s- one we allow th- an abortion; one, we don't. But is a so rationale
0: because yes, of Rota? Yes. Ref? That's my yes. Mahdi's rationale. I yes. thought not everyone accepts that road F argument. Um, more or less,
1: let's see. Uh, more or less, I think everyone. Ron does. doesn't accept it. Yes. <laughs> um, Ron doesn't accept <laughs> it. Ron, accept. Okay. Ron Nachmi, Ron. Ron, Nahmiel, Ron ha- you have to mm-hmm. pick a good name, for That's I your I argument. It's
0: a discussion about when it's con- when an embryo is considered a life. It can only, I that's thought it could only be a rotif if it's a life. Yeah. If it's
1: not a life, a it's not a life. life, it's not
0: a rotif. It's a machine or something else, you know. When when but yeah, I'm assuming,
1: yes, I'm assuming, let's assume, vision. for argument's sake, we're assuming it's a life. No, 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 we're assuming that it's a life. For argument's sake, because it's too complicated, and we only have six minutes left, and we have to get to the We have to finish. So, um, the, the, for argument's sake, let's, we're assuming that it's a life in utero, too. It's a full life. Let's assume that, okay? Let's change yeah. the rules. Relationship
0: a is once it's headed out, because it's a life, too, and like Ron no, said, it's again, pursuing So the
1: difference, we're saying, Rashi explains the difference is, is it a parasitic relationship or not? In utero, it's a parasitic relationship. The baby is totally dependent on the mother, and this is going to be the key point that Ramosha Feinstein applies to baby A and baby B. What Ramosha ascertained from Rabbi Dr. Koop, Dr. Ravikup, whatever, is that, um, is that since baby A could not survive on its own, it only can survive with baby yeah. B, or even that, it couldn't, they couldn't both survive. So therefore, baby A is similar to this baby in the utero that's threatening the life of the mother, meaning it did nothing wrong, technically, but, but it is a rodif in the sense of baby A is going to cause the death of baby B. Baby B, mm. he understood, has a healthy heart. You know, or could survive with the heart it has the question is do we do we uh, are we allowed to kill baby a to save baby B okay so Coop, based on coop's understanding of the case mm-hmm. where Feinstein said baby a is like the baby in utero and it's a totally parasitic relationship because baby a couldn't survive on its own it only can survive attached to baby B um, as opposed to baby A could baby B could survive on its own, like the mother. Therefore we're allowed to kill baby A, or just like we're allowed to kill the the fetus. That's where that's basically according to Tendall what Ramosha based his permission on. Okay? okay? Now one of the you got it? Yeah. Eddie, you got it? Anyway, yeah, the logic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish the point. Okay, now, Bleich has a problem with this, Rabbi Bleich in his book says that's ludicrous. First of all, who's Dr. Koop to decide? Who, why are you assuming the heart belonged to baby B? They had a shared heart. They were they were formed together. They had the six-chamber heart never split or never mm-hmm. got to to become an eight-chamber heart and then split. So it stopped somewhere in the middle. They both shared. It was just because it's closer, you know. To, to baby A's head, he said, like, what is the geographic location of the heart? Decide who the heart belongs to. Mm-hmm. They will form together. So he says, so you're telling me, you know, this is a, par- baby A is a parasitic relationship because it's surviving on the heart of baby, and, and you're giving the heart to baby B. You're saying it's baby B's heart, and the, and the other one's a parasite. He said, that's ludicrous. Who, just because Dr. Koop decided that it's baby B's heart, he says, as in Talmudic Tiktum, he said, you know, where is he? It's pulling out of a, pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Who said that you couldn't say, this heart belongs to baby? That's black's claim on Dr. Tendler's logic, according to Ramosha, who talked the information with Dr. Goop. So now, th- what we I
0: were thought you still have to go with the best medical opinion. That's part of the... Yeah, but again,
1: this is not a... What's he saying? It's, it's not a medical... Doctor? It's a... It's a <laughs> what?
0: From
2: a Goyam doctor? Mm-hmm. No,
1: I'm saying this is not, it's not a medical opinion. Who, why... The question either. is who does his heart belong to? He's saying Dr. Coop uh, said you know oh, it was close to he the said head of Dr. There were other
3: vascular uh, Yeah, anomalies. there was.
1: Yes, that's true. Maybe they would not have been survived. That's a medical fact, true. So By that itself yeah, but he's not saying that as that far that as applying this logic so of <laughs> the abortion <coughs> logic, you, you, we you know, we're trying to apply the logic of the abortion here yeah, that it's a parasitic relationship, and that's why the the baby the <coughs> fetus is considered a rodent. So Bleich is ignoring so the fact that there are other
3: vascular anomalies. Oh, he's
1: he agrees. He arguing there with the a,
3: argument. He's not. I yeah, he, he agrees to he the done
1: medical done facts. The yes, he's not denying that baby. They both gonna die. Baby A couldn't survive with the heart. But the question is, you can't call why to to classified as a parasitic relationship between baby A and baby B. Mm-hmm. You have to say the heart belongs to baby B. And then he's saying, well, how do you know the heart belongs,
0: well, you, belongs uh, to baby there, B? You could say something else, which is yeah, that technically true. speaking, given the knowledge of time, there is no way you could take that six-chamber heart, model it, and, and implant it in baby A. without yes, that B. that's true. He agrees to that. But you could it do it with the make, baby B. But
1: again, it doesn't make it parasitic. The fact could that I could do it to baby a, B and, and not to baby A doesn't make it a parasitic relationship. It
0: comes close. No, it's baby A's, it's baby A's Let's heart. Let's say it's baby A's heart. Right? Baby so B is going to have to die. It's so not my
1: fault you got, baby B got stuck <coughs> you, right?
0: you have been listening to the MP3 project from the Jewish Ethic Institute for a complete selection of our lectures please visit our website at
3: j-ethics.org. Shalom.